You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our week three postgame show. The Chicago Bears come back yet again to win by the final score of 30-26 to in a game that, Nick, uh, I I don't even have words uh, to even begin this show, Uh, but we're going to try our best to kind of get this thing going. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and Nick, all I'm going to say is, holy cow. Yeah, holy cow's right. I immediately just like tweeted, you know, the gift from the office. Oh my god, it's happening! It's happening! As the Bears are making this comeback to beat the Falcons, that was insane. That was unreal, and wow, feels good to be on the winning end of all this. My goodness. Yeah, I mean the the fact that we won is incredible uh, in its own right, and it's going to change our I think our our mood. I mean, we still have some issues that we are going to need to definitely dissect and discuss throughout this postgame show but Nick as we just enter the first quarter of this show I'm just elated that the Bears are 3-0 I'm a little concerned uh, for someone like a Tariq Cohen with that knee injury that we saw late in this game Um, but overall big picture Nick are the Bears a bad 3-0 team a good 3-0 team showing resilience or are you like me I'm like hey we're 3-0 and I'm gonna take it and really at the end of the day that's all that matters yeah, right now it's hard to say because this was a beat-up Atlanta Falcons team and the Bears needed every minute of this fourth quarter to come back to make this victory happen. But look, we're 3-0. and I'm ecstatic to be to see that on the record, 3-0, and and just to have an undefeated football team, you have to have that and just be excited about it. But like you said, there are concerns, and we'll talk about them throughout the show. But right now... I'm not going to get to that with our, our first quarter of the show. We're 3-0, baby. We are undefeated, and they came back to beat the Falcons. That's what it's about right now. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Uh, I was watching a game with my son, and he started playing with some like more football action figures in that third quarter, early fourth quarter, and I was fine with that. And then he started looking up. He's like, wait, the Bears are getting closer? Yeah. And then a few seconds later, wait, how did they get the lead? And I'm like, oh, we'll talk about it later. You didn't see it? I don't have the time to express it right now, but it is pretty damn incredible, uh, the resiliency this team showed and their willingness to not just roll over and die because there are times where I wanted to do the same (laughs) watching this, but they didn't do it. They hung in there, and they gave themselves an opportunity to come away with this victory. And, Nick, there were a lot of big moments in this game that swung the momentum severely away from the Bears, and then towards the end, uh, they are able to seize some of that and kind of take some for themselves. But with our Miller Lite monster moment, Nick, I want you to go ahead and kick things off. What's going to be your Week 3 monster moment? Honestly, well, I think it has to be the touchdown pass to Anthony Miller. And you know what? That was, what, our monster moment for week one, the touchdown pass to Anthony Miller, I'm pretty sure. So it just came at the point of the game where the Bears are obviously in striking distance. They can take the lead for the first time, just be 
on the winning side of things, and that's what it ultimately ended up being. And Nick Foles, to stay in the pocket as long as he did, we know he will do that. And to take a hit but deliver an absolute dime to Anthony Miller, it doesn't get better than that. It really doesn't. So I think that in itself makes it a perfect, you know, just play for to be the monster moment, to take the lead, just a beautiful dime from Nick Foles and a good catch from Anthony Miller. So that's that's what I have to go with. What about you? Well, that was what, 153 left in the game, that touchdown pass. By the way, that play uh, was remarkable for a few reasons. You talked about his greediness to stay in the pocket, take that hit, and also deliver very accurate football. Uh, all things aside, this is what I put down my monster moment. I will give people a different one, though. But, Dick, did you see him kill the play as soon as it was snapped? Like, he was audibling probably to – I'm not going to say probably to a run. We don't know what it was, but he was doing the kill-kill, you know, doing a little scratching across the chest, that motion, and then the ball was snapped. He wasn't ready for it. That ball automatically uh, – he was able to corral it, which I was like, oh, thank God, because I thought it was going to hit his chest and hit the turf. And then even though he didn't get that play check in time, he still kept his eyes up, saw Anthony Miller wide open in the middle of the field, and was able to deliver a very accurate football, a strike – for that touchdown. So for him to overcome all of that within a matter of three seconds, to me, remarkable stuff there. But Nick, I think the biggest moment of the game, the monster moment, is when you make the quarterback switch, right? It has to be. Like that's when you make that decision to bench Mitchell Trubisky and you throw in Nick Foles, which by the way, Foles, he led five touchdown drives. He had two touchdowns that got overturned, the one to Allen Robinson, the other one to Anthony Miller, but he was able to combat that, overcome that as well and come back with three more touchdown drives. He led five touchdown drives by his hand in this second half, coming in for Mitchell Trubisky, and I don't think I can express just how amazing that was to watch unfold and how intrigued I am about him being an option moving forward. And on top of this, Nick, I'm rambling, but you and I were talking about which quarterback should win the job about a month ago, and this is why I said you go with Mitch first, because Foles brings you a spark just like what we saw today. Yeah, absolutely. So I put in my notes, 9.58 in the third quarter. That's where the identity, where the philosophy, maybe just where the Bears' offense took a turn because Nick Foles entered the game for the first time. And look, to be completely honest, Will, it was a little shaky at first. There were a couple yes. of throws from Nick Foles. You're like, okay, is this going to be an interception? There were a couple of interception-worthy throws, but you just mentioned what he was able to do and what he's done throughout his career, coming in in relief, and saving a team, it helps that you're playing the Atlanta Falcons of all teams that just love the blow leads like it's their job. And But Nick Foles capitalized on those mistakes, delivered some accurate balls, and made his his playmakers, playmakers. Allen Robinson getting that, that touchdown where he's able to get away from a defender and Jimmy Graham catching a ball in the end zone again. So that's what you love about Nick Foles. And we all, we said this from the beginning, Will, at some point in time, Nick Foles was going to be on the field, starting at the quarterback position. Honestly, I didn't see it in week three in, in coming in the second half of the third game, but I'm glad it did because he led this comeback for the Bears, and now they are 3-0 and and undefeated. Okay, we need to have a much bigger discussion on Nick Foles, the Chicago Bears quarterback situation, and everything else. Uh, Matt Nagy's uh, effect of him, too, you know, maybe saving his season, saving, his, honestly, his ass um, a little bit as well. But before we do, we need to actually tell some our friends here about our show sponsor, Miller Lite. And during this time of just social distancing, you know, celebrating a Bears win, like the remarkable win uh, that we just watch unfold right now over a beer may just look a little bit different uh, just with all of that social distancing. Again, 
even though it looks a little bit differently uh, than the past, uh, as the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring Bears fans together through Miller time. And, you know, right now, uh, Miller Lite, they are the only beer of the Chicago Bears. They have a long-term partnership with the team. They've been a staple at Soldier Field for many decades. And, Nick, you and I, we have great memories toasting touchdowns with Miller Lights uh, with us even games when we don't go together with our own friends, our own family, uh, at home games just chanting, you know, the Bears. And so here's to the Bears. Here's to the original light beer. The Bears are 3-0, and and heck, it's Miller time. No matter where you, uh, where you are watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Light for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. This is our week three postgame show. The Chicago Bears are 3-0. and They scored 30 points in this game to top it off, winning by the final score of 30-26. to Only held the lead for less than two minutes, but it's the minutes that matter most, uh, which at the end of the day is uh, why it's all said and done, and the Bears are that uh, still undefeated, uh, now entering week four. But, Nick, let's shift into the second quarter of our show. And let's go ahead and talk about the Chicago Bears offense. Uh, let's take it from the very beginning. The Bears started off this game. Looks like they're able to you know, get off the bus running, effectively moving the ball on the ground. Mitch was seeming like he was in an okay spot at first, moving the ball down the field. Missed field goal, taking some points off the board for the Bears. And then things just kind of slowly and then started picking up more rapidly fall apart. What did you see that was happening uh, early on uh, with Mitch? Um, that kind of got us to where we're going to have our bigger discussion here in the second half. Yeah, so, I mean, just initially starting, what you see on that Bears first drive, you get the tight ends involved, two receptions by the tight ends, and they had two receptions all last game by the tight ends against the New York Giants. So I'm like, oh, maybe we're going in, you know, a right direction. And then, you know, like you were saying, it, it just kind of turned. I think where it happened, there's a – on the second offensive drive for the Bears, Mitch still a quarterback, third and nine. They're in a 39 situation. Once they're in that type of down and distance, you already know the Bears all season really at this point. When they get that third and long situations, they're not very good at converting it. So it was just a bunch of different you know, reasons why the Bears weren't able to have success on a Falcons defense that was missing a lot of key players. We're the worst red zone defense in the, in the NFL, but it's just a lot of factors that went into it, but it's hard to say they this is exactly why, but I think it's like you look at Mitch and some of the decision makes decisions that he made, and then guys just dropping some footballs too. Like it just was a, 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 honestly a reoccurring thing that's been happening this season. But it's a lot of factors, honestly. Oh, it was, and it just seemed like you know coming out flat or getting flat. Uh, on top of that, you talked about the the poor execution. I don't think Nagy was doing a great job with his first and second down play calls for uh, the vast majority of this game. It felt very predictable um, which is a theme that we had uh, last season with this team and uh, obviously whenever you're playing from behind late in the game you're going to get into a little more of a, a pass happy mode and I think even before I got to that point uh, it was just a little bit uh, too predictable in the early downs giving the Bears some longer third down situations uh, that you need I know the offensive line wasn't really helping Montgomery out uh, for a good portion of this game I know he had his first negative run of the season and then it seemed like he followed that up with a few more too just with uh, I called it 2018 blocking out in front of him over on uh, Twitter throughout this game Uh, so Nick uh, I don't know where you want to kind of take this conversation for offense I know we have the big one we got to talk about 
uh, with Nick Foles, I don't know if we want to start there um, or if we wanted to look elsewhere as we kind of dive in. But where's you know your headspace well, at? Yeah, like thinking about to go elsewhere before we turn to Nick Foles and what really saved the Bears offense, you look at how Mitch Trubisky played. Like there were just some throws that were just – they weren't in the field of play. It Maybe they were throwaways, but he didn't even give his receivers at times a chance to make plays. And when you stack that up and you're not able to identify a zone coverage and where you throw that interception right to the defensive back that's just waiting in the field of play, you see why the Bears were forced to make this decision and go to Nick Foles. But it's just these these things kept on reoccurring. And like I have like there's a ball that's thrown behind Tariq Cohen and it's like these things that keep reoccurring for Mitch Trubisky that from year one to now obviously 2020 they just haven't improved that's why he's on the bench and I don't know about you Will but it was getting depressing seeing how many times Fox would just pan over to Mitch Trubisky and the dude looks like he was crying like to be completely honest it didn't look good and for a guy I get it's a very emotional moment to be benched and most likely see hey it's over it's done like I was drafted number two overall it's done Nick Foles has a job look what he just did but I I don't know it was just a a weird moment for me but it's just he it was based on what his performance was up in this game and prior to that just making the same mistakes over and over again it was inevitable because this was a close quarterback competition and now Nick Foles has a job so that's what I wanted to get off my chest about Mitch and look it he brought it upon himself which is unfortunate we want to root for the guy because he's such a hard worker but you can't keep making the same mistakes twice yeah I think there were some tears in his eyes there's actually one of the other uh, assessments that uh my son made during the game as well you know seven-year-olds they're very in tune to some of those things and uh he's like wait is he I'm like eh, well I think so but yeah Nick uh with Mitch I think a lot of his struggles came today because the Falcons knew he struggled against zone defenses. And even though the Falcons themselves as a secondary was struggling mightily throughout the first two weeks, they're like, you know what? If we just sit back in a zone and force Mitch to kind of read what we're doing and we can disguise it or at least make it somewhat complex, I think we'll force him to hold on to that ball a little bit longer. The pass rush is getting there a little bit decently as well. They're bringing in some blitzes. And, Nick, we've seen that over the years. That's almost the perfect recipe to slow down Mitchell Trubisky is sit back in zone and start blitzing and put some pressure right in his face. Did you see the same sorts of things there, too? Because that's what I was saying, because we've seen earlier week one, week two, the Detroit, they play a lot of man. You know, Last week against the Giants, they were as well. And Mitchell, he's able to pick them apart, but now you switch over to defense that plays some more of that zone, and then you see the struggles come right back. Yeah, no, absolutely, and look where he had success on that, what was it, a seven-play, 75-yard drive, if I'm not mistaken, where it's the big play, that big run play from Mitch Trubisky. What are the Falcons playing? They're playing man. That's what he's being able to dissect. He's able to use his legs and kind of get a big play down the field, and I think that's where you've seen if there's a commonality and like where Mitch has had success. It's when defenses are playing that that man-to-man defense where their backs are turned to the quarterback and like, hey, he can use his legs. And the Bears do actually capitalize and score a touchdown uh, on that drive. But it's just you can't – look, defenses are going to mix things up. You can't always have success when the defense is playing man because they don't obviously do that all the time. So to have Nick Foles come in – and able to dissect the defense regardless of the type of defense they were in, 
that's a plus on the Bears' offense where it's not so focused on only capitalizing on a certain type of defense. So, I mean, you again, what you were saying, well, it's just for Mitch, it's unfortunate to see, but this gives the Bears the best chance to win, I think. I really do. I, I mean, I think I've said that multiple times in the, in the past, but now the Bears are going to run with it and see what this offense can really look like. He's not as mobile. He's not going to be able to take advantage like Mitch did on that 45-yard run. But he can pick you apart from the pocket, and I think that's far more dangerous than, than a running quarterback will be able to do because you could do everything right for a defense, and still Nick Foles can deliver the right pass, right play, and get a first down or even a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference, and we've known that. That's going to make the offensive line's job that much more important and that much harder because they are going to have to really ensure that that pocket stays intact, try to limit the hits on Nick Foles because, Nick, as we know, durability is always a, con- a concern. Uh, when it comes to Foles himself. So it sounds like I had a question for you, but it sounds like you already have your answer in place, and that's week four, Bears-Colts, first play for offense. It's number nine out there, right? Yeah, it has to be. There's no way – even the decision going in benching Mitch Trubisky, regardless of how Nick Foles was going to play, unless he threw like three pick sixes or something like that, I think Nick Foles was going to be the quarterback – and look, it, it, like I said earlier, it was a close competition, and Matt Nagy, the staff, wanted everything. Like Mitch had to play himself out of the position, and he did. He did just in that half of football um, against the Falcons, and that gave them a reason. We need a spark on offense, like you were saying, and Nick Foles provided that. So, yeah, once it comes week four, Indianapolis, number nine is going to be under center, and the Bears are going to be maybe in a better place because of that. It would be interesting to see if that actually still can carry a spark over from week to week instead of it coming in like in the middle of a game because that's something that you can see sometimes around the NFL. You've seen it over the years, right? Quarterback comes off the bench, gives the team a big, big boost. Maybe it gets hot for a couple of weeks and then it starts to, you know, even out, deteriorate. Maybe that would be another word you can use here. And it would be interesting to see how long the Bears can maybe ride a spark like this, especially with the kind of a comeback that we saw today. But the Bears, Nick, it's week three. We have two quarterbacks that have led fourth-quarter comebacks by throwing three touchdowns apiece. Uh, You can't make this stuff up. You can't, and that's why the stress levels watching Bears games are at an all-time high. And when we're coming in right before this this, uh, podcast, we're like, what? How? How does this keep on happening? But, yeah, it's insane that both quarterbacks have been able to do this in the fourth quarter, lead comebacks, crazy comebacks if that and. Yeah, it's just that's it's a Bears season. It's a Bears game. That's what kind of happens throughout a season, but it's happened through three weeks, and I don't know how much more. Obviously, I'll handle a lot more, but it, it's it's a lot. It, it sure is, man. Uh, I, I every week. I mean, every week they make you like I said. It's like we age a hundred times faster while I'm watching a Bears game as opposed to when I'm not. Uh, but they do make it interesting, and I tweeted. I think it was like halftime where it's like, you know, maybe the Bears wanted the Falcons to play with a lead in the second half. I didn't think they were going to make it all the way to the fourth quarter and then wanted to start this comeback attempt. It seemed like, you know, the officiating wasn't helping. Uh, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller not finishing on some of their uh, should have been touchdowns. It seemed like everything was going wrong. And then everything just kind of clicked. Uh, when it comes to Nick Foles, uh, we've mentioned – you know, his ability to stand in the pocket, deliver a more accurate football, uh, things of that nature. It seemed like you can even tell, again, 
This is always uh, subjective to what the broadcast shows, but he's a little bit more vocal on the sidelines with his guys, you know, keeping them motivated, keeping them going than we've seen a lot from uh, Mitch in the past. Is there any other nuances of his game that you're excited to watch uh, unfold throughout the next couple of weeks? I was kind of sad he ditched the visor, but uh, that was a cool look, but it got better afterwards. Yeah, I had a couple of friends over, family over, we were talking about, wait, why did Nick Foles ditch the visor? That that was a good look. He should have kept it. If they lose the game, it's not because they're down 26 to 10. It's because he ditched the visor. No, I think the big thing for me in just watching Nick Foles is how he commands this offense. And if the defense does take away their first his first read, I'm looking forward to seeing how Nick Foles progresses in just a given play to that second, third option because we know Everybody knows you can watch any game from Mitch Trubisky. That is not his strength. He has still not figured that out. That's why he's now benched. But I'm looking forward to seeing how Nick Foles, when they do take away Allen Robinson on maybe this slant route that was working all game for Robinson, where does Nick Foles go to next? Is it going to be Anthony Miller? Is it going to be a Darnell Mooney? So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing, that the offense just isn't stopped after the first read. It can still have success, number two, number three, Heck, even number four, like a swing route from the running back. Who knows? But that's what I'm looking forward to most. That's why this offense, I think, in my mind, expands a little bit with Nick Foles under center. By the way, uh, head coach Matt Nagy uh, said that he's a little spent right now. That was such an emotional roller coaster. Like, uh, yeah, we feel you, Matt. Uh, we definitely do. Uh, no doubt about that one. Uh, but like you said, Nick, maybe this has opened up the offense a little bit, and this gave Foles an opportunity, you know, these two and a half, three weeks where he was technically the second guy uh, to get caught up a little bit more in Matt Nagy's specific scheme, getting, uh, you know, more acclimated with this team. And, you know, maybe they just didn't rush him into week one, but now was the time. Were you, at the, at the moment when they made the switch, how did you feel about it? Um, because, you know, Mitch, he was sitting there 13 to 22, uh, not doing a great job with his overall completion percentage, but. 128 yards, uh, two sacks. Uh, his qu- quarterback rating was 71.8. Uh, he had those couple misses. Were you ready for the change at that point, or were you surprised that they actually made it? I guess you can be surprised and ready for it. Yeah, no, I was uh, I was already thinking that this could be a, a definitely an option for the Bears. Uh, before we even talk about you know Nick Foles even further, it looks like that Tariq Cohen did tear his ACL. Mm-hmm. It, it, that is being um, from Adam Schefter. They fear that he tore it, and that's what's going around huge blow to the Bears offense like I think you know we just kind of got a transition here because we know that he just got this contract extension a lot of this offense will be uh, will go to a tree cone whether he is as a receiver in the slot or you know going deep down the right sideline on a pass or obviously as a running back but that's a huge blow for the Bears Um, they were escaping relatively healthy from two weeks of play and now this third one they get their first big blow you know Prayers go out to Tariq Cohen. Hopefully he has a good recovery, but that that really sucks. Yeah, I mean, that really sucks is almost like the perfect way to describe it. I mean, that that hurts it like right in the gut. Like you get that gut-wrenching feeling of like, you know, that's a loss that, you know, the Bears are going to have to find a way to overcome. Um, I know Cohen uh, being both a contributor as a receiver, but really this year we started to see him being more effective as a rusher like we did a couple of seasons ago. And it's just unfortunate. One of those freak things that you see, you know, the guy got pushed and he slid into the knee and – you never want to see anything like that happen, especially in a fair catch when it should have just been a, you know, a non-contact type of play um, as well. But it'd be interesting to see how the Bears move on without a Tariq Cohen for this year. Um, with that being the case, whether it being, you know, Artavis Pierce getting called up from the practice squad, maybe he'll get a role. Um, but 
Nick Foles in general, they're going to have to look elsewhere for some targets because he gets a few per game as well. But damn, Nick, I mean, that's as much as you get, you know, a high from a, a victory like this and making a quarterback change. I mean, an ACL tear to Tariq Cohen one week off of that contract extension, too. I mean, that's enough to bring you back down to earth real quick. Yeah, and the thing is, too, with Tariq Cohen, I think, you know, going into this season, there's a lot of mixed emotions about Cohen. Like, he just runs out of bounds too much. Like, these negative kind of thoughts about him. But seeing him play through three weeks and up into that injury, it's almost like Cohen had changed a little bit. Like, going more of a north-south runner, being more productive, more efficient. You're like, this is the guy that we could definitely use in an offense, that you can get big plays out of, that you want to see more consistently. And to know that, you know, once they probably get the results confirmed that it, his season's over, like, yeah, that does bring it down back to earth. The Bears are 3-0, and and I'm really thankful for that. But not having Tariq Cohen, that, like I said, uh, to even begin when we we're talking about it, it really sucks. And, uh, yeah, so hope they're, they're going to have to compensate and find somebody that – it's hard to find someone that plays his role because he plays such a big role in the offense. But they're going to have to find guys, and it's going to be, you know – a uh, bunch of people kind of leading and to contributing to make up for the production that Tariq Cohen has done so far this season. You know, he's never missed a game uh, in his NFL career so far. So for to go from that, you know, super durable throughout his years, they have this. I mean, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Like, I don't have words to even express how upset that makes me as a Bears fan, as a Tariq Cohen fan, and. Uh, just knowing what he provides this offense and just understanding they're going to have to find a way to you know live life without him. Again, he's not the the 100% what this offense goes through, but he's that extra wrinkle, that dynamic X factor week in, week out that can just be uh, someone that can exploit matchups, uh, take the top off of a defense. And now, and on top of that, some of the attention away from some of the other playmakers on this team, and uh, that's all going to shift and it'll be really – uh, interesting to see how it all kind of changes out. Anything else on Tariq? I mean, we got other gripes that we're going to have to get to as well, but uh, anything else before we move on? And, of course, if we get any other news, we'll make sure to pass along here on the show. No, I mean, I think we, we hit on it, Will, and there is a lot to talk about with this Bears team. There's a lot of mixed results from everybody, so let's continue this conversation going and see yeah, where, where the conversation actually goes from here. All right, uh, let's talk about this Bears offensive line, uh, just because I you talked about a mixed bag. I mean, they look like they didn't show up to play for some points of this game. I mean, they were getting kind of exposed on some of these run blitzes, uh, allowing guys right through, seeing some of your guys like a Charles Leno Jr., uh, you know, just kind of become like a little turntable where they're just like, oh, wait, and then the play's already done in the backfield. And I thought towards the end of the game they did better, even though they were very pass-heavy at the time and the Falcons were kind of dropping back and not bringing the pressure uh, as much as they did earlier in this game. But overall, Nick, for an offensive line that we are so high on after a couple games, again, I won't uh, won't let – one game totally uh, take that away from them, but disappointed would be how I would express uh, my thoughts and feelings on the offensive line. Are you in the same boat? Yeah, it would have to be, especially since they had so much success coming into this game, and we looked and previewed this, you know, Falcons defensive line, this Falcons defense, and thought this shouldn't have been as much of a challenge that it was, but that Falcons defense does have some speed, and that is for sure. And I think that was playing its role throughout the game where some of these defenders are beating 
a lot of the offensive linemen to their spots where they're supposed to reach guys or even when they're pulling, it just seemed like that was happening way too often. And when Grady Jarrett went out of the game, I'm like, that's huge. That's huge for the Bears because Grady Jarrett was having himself a game, just getting in the backfield, just wreaking havoc on whoever was in front of him. So when that happened, hey, that's just another Falcons injury, but it really benefited the Bears. But yeah, they were just not, they were not to the level, they didn't play to the level of my expectation, especially since how they played through the first two weeks. So Juan Castillo's going to have to go back, see exactly what happened, if it was just the speed of the defense. So you have to maybe just figure out how you can put your guys in better positions to be at the spots before those defenders can get there. Are you being more predictable? Whatever it may be, you got to go back to the drawing board a little bit to fix up those mistakes to get better for week four against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, no, exactly. We'll see if they can uh, turn that around. Uh, on top of that, you know, wherever we look on offense, Nick, we're going to get mixed bag results. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I thought overall, you know, the six catches, uh, 60 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Obviously, we're hoping to get tight ends involved. Uh, between him and Harris, they did have nine catches for about 75 yards, and that's more than we've seen in the last couple of weeks. So that's at least somewhat progress. Yeah, it's it's improving um, from that position. I still, like, Cole Komet, where you at, man? I know you're a rookie and stuff like that, but I want to see more from him. Um, there, Like I said, it started off on the first drive where they made it a, an emphasis, like, hey, we want to get the tight ends involved. And, you know, it kind of played out a little bit on the stat sheet. Jimmy Graham and that back shoulder fade, like, that that's not guardable. As a defender, right. you cannot guard that play. It just seems every time the Bears want to do it, when they're not being predictable with it, I mean, if you see Jimmy Graham lined up one-on-one as a, the opposing defender, you got to think, it's coming, but I can't do anything about it. That's obviously something you want to continue doing throughout the season. But like I said, I still want to see more Cole Komet, and I think that will come with time. I just would like to see it a little bit sooner. But Jimmy Graham, he also, I think, had a, a drop in the game at some point. I think I had it in my notes somewhere. So we're still seeing some levels of not the inconsistent play because I think Jimmy Graham's been – better than he's been worse if that makes sense but still would like to see the tight ends get more involved and maybe that happens now that three without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you 24 7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, is that going to be a part of the Bears' offensive game plans from now on? Sure. When you look at Cole Komet, I know you said you wanted to meet uh, or see more of him. I would like to see any of him right now, right? Uh, not a target <laughs> in a single uh, all game long. And yeah, hopefully he can get incorporated in this offense. Uh, sooner rather than later Darnell Mooney two catches 19 yards he kind of came back down to earth a little bit today I mean his one catch uh, that was a nice sliding concentration grab along the sidelines a big one for the Bears at the time um, but overall I mean he got targeted a few times I thought he could have had a couple of more his way but it seemed like he and heck even Allen Robinson there's just a few of those balls that are you know right in their hands and they're just being a little bit you know weak at the point of the catch that allow the defenders to pop them out is that more in receivers or would you give more credit to Atlanta's secondary for uh, being in a right position and just playing some heads up football there no I'm gonna put it on the Bears receivers because I don't think Atlanta's secondary is very good and I expect more from the Bears receivers add Anthony Miller into the mix too dropping that touchdown Mm -hmm. like 
these I think are sure-handed guys. And look, prior to this comeback being complete, like I was ready to write an article. Like, can whoever's at quarterback even rely on these receivers at this point in time? The last two times you're trying to go to Allen Robinson at that 50-50 situation, he's failed. So that's that's one thing you got to look at. Anthony Miller, another drop touchdown pass, and you look at these things, they're adding up, and you don't like to see that. Now Darnell Mooney, like you said, is coming down to earth. Obviously, Anthony Miller capitalizes and gets a touchdown. So does Allen Robinson, so they made up for it going that next play mentality. But I, I would definitely put that on the Bears wide receivers. They're better than that, and I think they know that. Uh, obviously, Mike Fury, the wide receivers coach, knows that. And I would hope next week we see more of a complete game we wanted to see a better game from week two it got a little better i need to see a complete game where they're not like alan robinson can't he he needs to come down with that 50 50 ball i don't care that it was it was right there he had his hands on it first in the back right corner of the end zone he wants a contract extension he needs to make that play he made up for it later in the game but that's a play that he needs and he usually does make well i mean two weeks in a row where you have two balls that are right in your hands and you let the guy just take them. I mean, that's that's a tough one. So do you think that was an interception, uh, the Allen Robinson one in the end zone? Uh, it's uh, questionable at best. Uh, they did call it a touchdown on the field. I know we usually don't get too deep into some of these reversals, uh, play uh, penalties or things of that nature. But, I mean, we won, so I feel better about them. But at the time, I just felt like the rest headed out for the Bears. New York headed out for the Bears. It's not anything would go close to the Bears' way. You know, that's a touchdown. Um, In my mind, seeing it happen live, seeing the replay, it was called a touchdown. His shoulders hit. And his helmet. And his helmet with the ball in his possession. It's it's a, what, simultaneous possession. It goes to the receiver. I don't see how there's evidence. And, look, like you said, we usually don't talk about this, but I'm like, all right. A-Rob kind of made up for for himself from last week and then obviously gets called an intercept. There's not enough conclusive evidence to overturn that. So bad call by the refs. And like you said, all game, they were very just not not even 50-50 calls. It was favored Atlanta. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's coming from a Bears fan, right? Some Bears podcast. <laughs> it's, you know, it's biased. No, it was that way. But it ended up turning out in the Bears' favor on the scoreboard, which is all that counts. But, yeah, that was, that's definitely a touchdown. On top of that, too, the one for Miller, as much as I don't think he caught that football, I didn't see a camera angle that was 100% you know, indisputable that that thing hit the turf. Yeah. So, I don't know. There was a, there was a weird game with the, the refs. And uh, maybe, like, in the very beginning, what was it, the, the roughing the passer penalty where they said there were two flags on the field. They gave one to Atlanta. But, like, oh, no, we're going to give this to Chicago. Well, it was on Chicago. But ever since, I think, that play, every other flag just went against the Bears. I was going to wait until we talked about the Bears' defense to talk about those. But uh, the roughing the passer uh, when it was a fumble. Like, how can you rough someone who doesn't pass? when the ball's out of their hands via a fumble. Didn't know he got that kind of protection there. And the other one with Akeem Hicks putting his weight on the quarterback, I mean, how can Akeem Hicks stop all that momentum uh, playing full speed that quickly to not put any weight on the quarterback? Those two uh, those two were big, too, because they led to two Falcons touchdown drives. Uh, so just, yeah, all of them in general, when they added up, really felt like they were doing anything they could to put Atlanta in the best spot to win this game. Yeah, absolutely. You have to defy physics if you're Akeem Hicks and not land on the quarterback when you're putting all your momentum in the direction of the quarterback. It, it doesn't make any sense for a six foot four, 340-pound man to stop momentum and not land on him. But, yeah, I agree with you, Will. 
Now, looking at the third downs, uh, the Bears finished 4-15. Felt very much like Detroit when the Bears really couldn't get much of anything going on third down. I don't know about you, Nick. It just felt like it was a mixture of almost everything. I know on third down in general, the Bears uh, weren't doing so hot. Uh, They've been 50-50. They had a pretty bad game against Detroit. Last week, all right. And then this week, way back down to earth, I believe the Falcons' defense was second to last uh, on third downs in general, and yet uh, they made easy work of the Bears. Uh, any big takeaways of third down offense and why they were unable to get you know, any sort of uh, consistency in terms of just at least converting on a few of these? Yeah, I don't know um, exactly the answer to you know solving that third down situation, but it just it needs to get better. And like this is the Falcons' defense. Uh, out of all the defense you're going to struggle with, it's a second to last ranked defense on third down that you are four fifteen ending the game on. It, it's just unacceptable at this point. And look, I think it's a mixture of just play calling. And look, Mitch Trubisky was in there for a, a large portion of those third down you know, failures in the beginning of the game. They just couldn't get a rhythm on offense. You know, and look, going back to the wide receiver discussion, on the first third down play, Allen Robinson does run that slant, which he had a lot more success later in the game. First third down play, though, that DB ran the route for Allen Robinson, incomplete pass, and I'm like, oh, so this is how we're going to pick it up from having a bad game against the New York Giants. But, hey, Robinson had a great game after that kind of with the interception but like though there's those all these little things that come into the most important down just keeping that offense on the field that really lead to the bears not having or having a 4 or 15 day which they need to drastically improve especially given the defense they were playing yeah uh denard we i talked about him on a preview show like hey that's a guy that maybe you can expose a little bit he's usually plays nickel for them he got bumped outside due to some of the injuries and, of course, he's like, you know what? This will be the week where I'm going to play out of my mind a little bit, going up against Allen <laughs> Robinson. And I was sitting there like, I'm just never going to call out someone again on the podcast, Nick, because I, I would rather that not be the case. But like you, I thought it was just a mixture of everything. They didn't get themselves in many third and running situations. Uh, the very first one, that third and one, they go no huddle. They give it right back to Cordero Patterson. Easy pickup there. But then he just started getting into third and long, third and nine, third and six, third and seven plus, and – Either you're being inaccurate with your throws, you're taking sacks, or you're throwing uh, routes that are ahead of the sticks with a defender draped right behind them. And even if you catch it or not, you're not going to end up with a first down. You're going to end up punting or just settling for a field goal regardless. I thought the Bears and their issues of not running routes past the sticks still haunts them. I understand the logic behind it. doesn't matter who's running this offense what year it is i feel like i've been seeing this since i was a child watching the bears but all those things combined uh, to me is uh why the bears struggled on third down red zone didn't get much better though two of four today uh on top of that uh, any anything that you jotted down in your notes in terms of red zone offense that you wanted to mention I, I you know to be completely honest when when they got there which is like you said not not too often that you would like to see against an Atlanta falcons defense whether it was just maybe getting too complacent with where they were at, like we could sell for a field goal. And I know the whole mindset for the Bears is we need to score touchdowns, but it just seemed like when they got down to that area, it just, I don't know, something was off. And that maybe can also go back to the third down plays and the rhythm of the timing of the receivers and the quarterback. Like on one of the third down plays I have in my note, 
It's like Mitch Trubisky, he, one, airmails a ball over Tariq Cohen's head. Then the next play, he gets sacked for holding the ball too long. So there's just so much inconsistency. So when they got to the red zone, um, again, those inconsistencies just kept on reoccurring. So that's what is really holding back this Bears offense. I mean, if you know they, they scored a a touchdown more on those red zone opportunities, they're sitting in a pretty good spot because they were able to move the ball at times. And, yeah, it's just so hard, like, initial after watching the game to pinpoint, yeah, this is what happened on red zone. But I think when I watched some of this, this all 22, and I think they've been a little bit better putting that out there, which is great. I'll definitely have a better answer for you. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, the one that was taken back uh, that Allen Robinson touchdown that was called back reverse was in the red zone uh, so that was one of those opportunities where if they score that you're looking at a 75% conversion rate um, and that would have been uh, definitely something that would have been a little bit more palatable um, getting down there was pretty difficult for the most part but all in all Nick uh, like we said up and down day for this Bears offense Nick Foles comes in though and leads this team to three touchdowns in the fourth quarter after having two uh plays prior that were supposed to be touchdowns called back and uh, that's five touchdowns that he could have had in that second half with uh only that only would have been 18 completions so very effective and efficient football providing that bears offense um, with the spark and david montgomery as much as he struggled late i guess one thing i want to mention is even when the bears were down i liked matt Nagy's willingness to still run it from time to time he got some decent gains on those late and i thought those were uh, perhaps having a sneaky a sneaky good impact uh, on this Bears offense late in the game. Anything else that you wanted to mention on this uh, on this unit before we move on? Yeah, you know what? Two things. Um, to add on to your point about running the football, we've seen so many times in 2019 where the Bears couldn't, you know, just run out the clock and get a first down. What was it, the second play of the game or looking at the, the, the last drive there, David Montgomery, the first play, 11 yards off the right side of the edge there, gets a first down. That essentially wins the game for the Bears. They can kneel it. So, Credit to them for still having – look, they're going to run the ball, no doubt. They're, they have the lead. They have to do that, especially after an interception. But it's nice that they were able to execute and get the, the 11 yards to get that first down. But going back to the red zone, you mentioned it, like the Ellen, the Anthony Miller drop pass, that's also a red zone opportunity. It was at the Atlanta 17-yard line. So you add that with Allen Robinson where the interception happened. That's two, like you said – where in the red zone the Bears were not able to capitalize when they were right there, maybe you know inches or centimeters away from having touchdowns, but it said turnover on down and interception. So it's literally like the 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 metaphor, the you know the old saying, it's a game of inches, and whether you turn the ball and are able to corral it in the end zone or rip it away from a defender in the back right corner of the end zone for Robinson, it just that those two plays in particular didn't go in the favor of the Bears. Nope, sure didn't. By the way, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, he did meet with the media uh, at the podium uh, after this game, well, I guess with the computer on Zoom. Um, but you know what I mean. Uh, it's 2020, but uh, he took you know fault for uh, his poor play. He called his interception crappy. Obviously, he said when that decision came to hear the news of being benched, uh, something he never wanted to hear, but uh, he had to go out there, uh, continue to have the team's back, proud of the way the team fought back to win this one, and uh, if it ends up being Nick Foles' job, then you know he's going to just have to have uh, Foles' back, just like Foles had his uh, throughout the last few weeks here. So I think you know Mitch Trubisky coming out here, a speaking to the media uh, after being benched, uh, kudos to him for doing that, and b it seems like he's uh, taking this with class, which I wouldn't expect anything else or otherwise from Mitchell Trubisky as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I want to make sure it comes across clear. Like, I I don't ever like to bash Mitchell Trubisky. It's just his play has not been up to the expectations of this Bears organization, you know, my expectations, this whole fan base's expectations. And to see him still go out, talk to the media, a very difficult time in his life, just kind of reassessing where he's at, that shows a lot about him. Like, he's got all all the things that you want in a quarterback. It just doesn't play out on Sundays as consistent as you would like it to be. So, hey, credit for Mitch doing that. I really like that about him. And he's going to be a, a phenomenal teammate to Nick Foles. He really is. They have such a good connection. We've heard it all throughout training camp. So, he's going to make Nick Foles better. And I think, hopefully, Mitch Trubisky watching how you should run this offense will make him even better wherever like his career takes him from now on and maybe he's back under center when if you know Foles gets injured we never know but credit to him for going out and doing that because it's it's a very difficult time right now but that that shows a lot about Trubisky yeah it it does we'll see how it kind of shakes out I wouldn't be surprised if one quarterback gets cold he just keeps switching them honestly just how this team is and how this year's kind of going anyway but Nick, did you see that one play? We didn't even talk about it, though, when uh, Foles threw it and it went uh, right through the hands of the Atlanta Falcons defender. Uh, Jimmy Graham comes down with the catch. He takes a couple steps. He fumbles. I think it was Darnell Mooney who picked it up, and he ends up fumbling as well. And we're lucky that the Bears were able to you know, stick with the football on that one. But it seemed like on that one, nobody wanted to take care of the ball. Um, but I know here at Chicago Audible, we have a partner that uh, is all about taking care of your balls. You want to tell people more about that? Yeah, great segue there, Will. And so support for the Chicago Audible is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The, they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I was fortunate enough to use the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, and let me tell you. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. The 18 months that that engineering team put into the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, it's simply amazing. The Lawnmower 3.0 features advanced skin safe technology, it's waterproof, even has an LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Here's how you can get your hands on the Lawnmower 3.0 or any of Manscaped's great products. Head to manscaped.com and use the code TCA. And you'll save 20% off and get free shipping. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code TCA at manscaped.com. And one last time, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TCA. You're right, Nick. It really is a smooth ride. I was able to give it one here over this weekend. And yeah, everything's uh, you know trim and proper, and it's a great way. And by the way, it was Anthony Miller who picked up that ball and fumbled again, not... 
Darnell Mooney. Double checked here the stats. So I want to make sure that if we're talking about protecting balls, we're going to tell our listeners the right players who are protecting the ball and not. So good little segue, like you said, um, but definitely check out Manscaped. Use that code TCA for 20% off. Again, we need 10 people to use the code uh, throughout this first month. This is a trial run with our podcast and Manscaped. And if you can help us out and really just help yourself out, uh, that would be a tremendous. And again, Manscaped does a great job of uh, putting a lot of proceeds towards fighting testicular cancer, which is always a great cause um, as well. So manscaped.com, code TCA, 20% off and free shipping. So go take care of your balls. All right, Nick, let's jump into the third quarter of the show. And let's talk about this Chicago Bears defense that, you know, they started this game and uh, I thought there was going to be a very long day from start to finish. Uh, starting off this game, seemed like they're just allowed, you know, the very first play to uh, Calvin Ridley for like a, what, a 63 or so a yarder. I was like, oh, it's going to be <laughs> one of those types of games where they don't have Julio Jones, but it's not going to matter. What's your, you know, we're about an, what, 40 minutes now past. Uh, the end of this game. What's your just gut reaction or your thought on this Bears D? It's so up and down, Will. Like that coming off of that that Bears missed field goal, and then three plays later, the Atlanta Falcons have a touchdown. They have a coverage breakdown. Calvin Ridley gets behind them for a huge play, and then you have Joel E. A. Buniwe on defense on Hayden Hurst for the touchdown. But there was just so many up and down moments in this game where you're like. I don't know if you could trust the Bears defense, but it always seems so far through three games when it comes down to the very last drive, that's where the Bears, for the most part, they'll they got you. They will get off the field, you'll win you know, they'll win the game. Right, yeah. However it happens. But everything leading up to that's so a mixed bag. At one point though, there was consistent pass rush. Matt Ryan did not look comfortable. He had to get the ball out early, but there are other times where are these guys? And Look, Will, I must have tweeted this out a couple of times throughout the game. I thought the angles that the safeties were taking in run support, whether it was Eddie Jackson and Todd Gurley or the other running back Hill for Deshaun Gibson, were just com- were awful. All game, for the most part, and seeing that play out and seeing those two guys, veteran players at the safety position, and even Roquan Smith getting blocked and Dan Trevathan still looking like an old man out there, and just big holes from the defensive line happening, you're like, this is a problem. I don't know if this is ever going to reach that elite status that I know I've been talking about, you know, months, months before the season started. And you see that, and, we, and look, we know Atlanta's got a good offense, but still, they're down, down Julio Jones, down uh, Gage, their slot receiver, and they're still moving the football. So I think it's still a little concerning Obviously, giving up 26 points, but getting the victory kind of maybe puts a band-aid on that, but there's still concerns with the Bears' defense. Oh, there sure are. And, Nick, you and I talked about it on our preview show, whether or not we should be concerned with the Bears' running game. And I said, you know what? They allowed Adrian Peterson to go off. Saquon Barkley himself had a couple nice runs last week before he was benched. And Todd Gurley wasn't doing much of anything for Atlanta Uh, He finished today 14 carries, 80 yards, averaging about 5.7 yards per carry. Their uh, other guy, Brian Hill, 9 carries, 58 yards, about 6.5 yards per carry. Each of them getting a touchdown. Uh, I think I'm starting to get closer to hitting that panic button uh, with this Bears running defense. I don't really see anything that's giving me really a lot of hope uh, in terms of 
them getting uh, and being able to stop a, uh, a running back at all at this rate, at least one that's pretty respectable. What about you? Are you starting to get uh, uneasy with this running uh, running defense a little bit more so than maybe you were a few days ago? Yeah, I think so. Well, because just looking at how they played today, there's still huge lanes for these running backs that are able to get to that, you know, get through that hole. And then the linebackers are blocked as well. And we know Trevathan's been on a downward spiral. And, you know, if you can reach and get to a Roquan Smith, he's not the biggest linebacker, you can you can take care of him as well. And then just looking at the first touchdown play, just looking at who the Bears kind of trusted in that situation, they didn't want to put another defensive lineman in there. They put Joel, Joel E.A. Buniwe as a you know, uh, to compensate for what the Falcons are running, I think that kind of shows you, like, hey, maybe we might try some other linebacker as opposed to another defensive lineman to stop what would look like a obvious running situation. Falcons obviously passed, but they just haven't been able to stop people, get that consistent pass or to close running lanes. And if they're not doing this now, they're not getting anybody off the street that's going to help them. It seems like Chuck Pagano and that defensive line, they're not changing things much what what is there to believe that it's going to get better like uh, there's nothing it's like a false hope like keep playing Mitch Trubisky he's gonna get better no they made the switch I don't know what the switch would be for the Bears defensive line to just get like players just play better Bilal Nichols takes the next step but we've been asking that for three weeks now and I thought that would happen it just hasn't so I I'm I'm ready wherever that panic button is at that metaphorical if it's metaphorical or if we can get a physical button we should that would be a good idea we could press that thing and just keep on pressing because this is a problem it's a big problem. You hit on the linebackers briefly, and I want to make sure I reiterate that fact because it's really what is bothersome to me perhaps the most. Uh, the safety is having bad angles to the football today. You know what? I've seen Eddie Jackson uh, be strong against a run. Same thing with the Gibson. Uh, I, wouldn't expect, I would expect that to get better. Um, but what's mm-hmm. really hard to change right now uh, is Danny Trevathan and him just being so slow still and not getting up to speed and just not being strong at the point of attack. There was a couple of plays, even against the pass, where someone catches the ball and they're almost like right next to Danny. And it takes Stravathan like five, six steps to turn around and catch up to him and make a tackle. And Danny Trevathan a couple of years ago, he makes that play immediately. Um, but Roquan Smith and Trevathan also had a difficult time disengaging off of their blocks in the second level. Uh, Roquan Smith, a lot of the times when you're seeing uh, whether it would have been, uh, I almost said Freeman, but it's not Freeman. It's uh, you know Todd Gurley and Hill. Whenever they're running right past Roquan, there's just a single guy blocked on him. It wasn't like a double team, and he just kind of disengaged. He was just stuck. It's like the offensive lineman had glue on their jerseys on their hands uh, when it came to blocking Roquan Smith, and he couldn't get off of a block. And I know we've talked about that ever since he was drafted. You know, smaller guy. Whenever a lineman can really secure a block, it's tough for him to you know disengage and get off of it. I thought we haven't really seen that be too much of an issue uh, with Roquan, and I do think perhaps the reason why we're seeing it now is the lack of a true nose tackle. Uh, I don't know about you, Nick, but I still think that may be uh, the issue here, and I don't know if uh, the guy they brought in this week is going to be the answer. I wish you can call Eddie Goldman and say, hey, buddy, we need you, and the NFL will allow him to come back. I know that's not possible, but right now I think when you look at what can help this defense, it is Eddie Goldman, and unfortunately we don't have him until 2021. Yeah, so I wonder now with given that another team has had success on the ground on this Bears defense, and that affects all the levels of the defense too. You have a successful running game, you can run play action, play action off of that and get big plays down the field like the Falcons did. 
I wonder how badly the Bears are looking to bring Snacks Harrison to Chicago. There's talks. He's already confirmed on Twitter. I forgot. I think it was Cord- Cordell Patterson. To go back to the offense. He's such a great recruiter. He he literally will at anybody on Twitter. He's like, oh, hey, what about the Bears? Uh, you want to meet up with the Bears at whatever point? Snacks confirmed that he's going to talk with Chicago. That would be, you know, Will, like, not to – I don't want to always put – or I never want to put so much on just one player – but that might be just a spark that the Bears would need, a true nose-tackle, run-stopping, gap-filling guy. And if they could bring someone like that to Chicago to kind of compensate for Eddie Goldman not being here, I think that would be huge. But to also go back to the linebackers, correct me if I'm wrong, did I not see Matt Ryan almost outrun Danny Trevathan? Was oh, that, Matt, Matt Ryan, about that? he would have ran right past Danny Trevathan, stopped, smiled, waved, and continued on before Trevathan would have closed that gap. No, he was outrunning Danny and said he decided you know, he's going to throw that football. I was like, you could have picked up the first if you just would have kept running. There's no way number 59 is going to catch you. But I thought that was a good sign of like evidence of – Trevathan in that misstep, that extra gear that he usually would have that's gone when Matt Ryan looks more mobile, uh, a little bit faster getting to the sideline than uh, Trevathan did. But you're right, Nick. Uh, I saw that too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, okay, now yeah, now it's coming back to me. Man, it would be nice to have a Kevin Pierre-Lewis right now, just someone that we saw have flashed. And look, all that's gone. Maybe I shouldn't even go to that direction, but – there's there's issues there, and we were talking about is it sustainable to play dime defense, and I think I gave more of the optimistic positive outlook. Yes, you can, and it looks like that that just might be what the Bears might have to do to overcome Trevathan's you know really struggles right now because it's he's becoming he is a liability. Like I think I'm ready to almost say that, and man, we're only week three into the season. And a lot of teams have been having this rushing success, play action success, and things of that nature. So that's that's panic button worthy. And like I said, if we had, I'd be pressing it because you, it's only three weeks and you got paid. And we can keep saying this, but it's going to be interesting how Chuck Pagano plays this because this is a huge, huge issue. No, it, it really is. Uh, Trevathan is not looking good after the injury last year, but someone that did have a pretty big injury last year uh, that is looking pretty damn strong is Akeem Hicks. Uh, he had a sack and a half today, uh, which a few of those came in some really big situations. I know one was uh, third down, uh, second trip for Atlanta in the red zone. Uh, both Hicks and Mack get that sack, force him back a little bit. Uh, and have to settle for that field goal. And I'm pretty certain, too, that his other sack was in a very situation, a uh, similar situation where he got a big sack on third down, Hicks did, push Atlanta back, and that's when they actually ended up missing one of their field goals attempts, too, making that attempt uh, just a little bit deeper. But even when he wasn't coming down with the sack, uh, he was pretty stout um, in run support as well. And run support, he's not supporting the run, he plays defensive line. Uh, just stopping the run in general. Uh, I saw a few plays around the line of scrimmage. And then on top of that too, just five quarterback hits. So even when he wasn't able to get home, get a sack, still ended up finding a way to get some pressure on Matt Ryan, uh, punishing him after the fact. And you know maybe that's uh, something that started having an effect on Matt Ryan as this game kind of wore on. Yeah, Akeem Hicks is balling out through three games. Three and a half sacks so far in this 2020 season. And did you see the when they you know pan the camera over to him? 
he looked like a man that was possessed. Like I, he made it, it was right after a sack that he had. I'm like, just give that man the football. He's gonna run over. It doesn't matter who's in front of him. He's gonna run them over. But it's been so encouraging to see that from Akeem Hicks because we knew how bad he wanted to play last season. But that elbow injury they sustained against against the Raiders in Week Five, obviously, you know, put him out a, a good portion of the season. But seeing him play. 2020 hungry and getting after the quarterback and look they'll flag him you know for putting his body away on the quarterback but he'll keep coming back in that motor that's what you love about Akeem Hicks that's what the Bears defense needs out of him right now and it's been great to see through three games on the flip side Blown Nichols was it just me or did he just get totally like washed out of this game uh, the only time I really saw Bilal Nichols was when he was frustrated and like kind of what going back and forth with an offensive lineman because they had blocked him. So that's the only time I had noted out, well, Bilal, Bilal Nichols looks like he's frustrated again. Man, I was expecting it, – it's still early, and I'm not going to count him out yet. I won't do that. It's way too early in, in this 2020 season, but I need to see more from Bilal Nichols. I really, really do. He has the talent. I know that. But, man, this – like – this Eddie Goldman injury I didn't think was going to affect this Bears team as much as it has, but my goodness, like whether it's just taking having more reps within a game or having different responsibilities now that you have to play, quote-unquote, this true nose tackle position, it's affected Bilal Nichols. So I don't know if we're seeing the best version of himself, but getting blocked completely out of a play, it doesn't matter whether you're playing, you know, trying to play a different position. You have to do better than that. So, yeah, like you, I didn't see much of Nichols. Roy Robinson-Harris started in, in, like in the second half. I saw his 95 get a little bit closer to Matt Ryan, so I'll give him credit for that. But I need to see more out of Bilal Nichols because it, it just hasn't been there so far. Uh, looking at outside linebacker, Khalil Mack, uh, I thought he had a pretty good day. I liked uh, you know, that image of him on the sideline too. Talk about Khalil Mack. I mean, uh, Akeem Mix looking possessed. He looked pretty damn possessed after that. Uh, forced fumble that was unfortunately uh, negated uh, just due to that another bogus penalty uh, that the rest called on the Bears here. But uh, I also know he got uh, in on another mixed one uh, with Hicks as well. So it seems like those two are working in uh, kind of tandem and sync today. Um, I know we talked about, at least on Twitter, uh, what the Bears did in that very first sack with moving both outside linebackers to the same spot. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, so that so I know Chuck Pagano gets a lot of criticism, as he should, but that's something that we saw Vic Fangio do. You know, he'll put Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack on one side and let them wreak havoc, and, you know, good things usually came out of that. We saw something very similar, putting, you know, a Robert Quinn and a Cleo Mack, and when it was one of the sacks, Cleo Mack has a tight end on him. That's disrespectful. And you know what Cleo Mack does? He goes around that tight end, hits Matt Ryan, and sacks him. So there are these little simple things that Chuck Pagano could do. And again, moderation. You can't do that every single time. But I like that. It's just you got to have it more consistent to what whatever he's doing will have better results on the football field for this defense. But that was one of the things I put in, like, I don't know if I tweet or put in my notes, like, I like that from Chuck Pagano. That reminds me of Vic Fangio. And then I remembered just a Vic Fangio in 2018. I'm like, I wish we had that. But, you know, we're going back backwards in time there. But, yeah, that was something that I really did like from Chuck Pagano, and it worked when he did it. Yeah, it did. It worked. I'd be interesting to see if he could add that wrinkle in uh, a little bit more throughout this year. Nick, on our preview show, we talked very highly of uh, Jalen Johnson, Kyle Fuller, 
I thought Fuller, even though he was exposed, I would say, on that uh, Calvin Ridley. But on top of that, you know, sometimes you're just going to get beat. And I know he was ensuring that uh, he wasn't beaten deep, so it was giving him a lot of cushion. Uh, is that what led to that play? Um, but outside of that one play, what were your thoughts on Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson's day? When I'm trying to think back on Jalen Johnson's game, I'm not thinking of any plays that you know he gave up that were big or anything of that nature. And usually with corners, if I can't think of anything negative, unless he had an interception, uh, that's probably a good thing. Is my gut reaction right? Do you remember anything good or bad from Jalen Johnson? Yeah, so I'm struggling to to figure out like if there was a bad moment in, in his game. What actually, again, sparks my mind, just kind of going back to it, it was a play that didn't count. I think it was a holding penalty on the Falcons, but Jalen Johnson's right there in coverage and passed down the football. It's like that would have been another – uh, PBU for for Jalen Johnson, but obviously no uh, the penalty negates the play and the Falcons move backwards. But that was the only thing that comes to mind, so that's good for Kyle Fuller. And I, and I know I had this in my notes for the preview show. Like Calvin Ridley is a great just um, just he'll run one route and make it look like the other, and just having that double move aspect to his route running ability. He had that a couple of times, and Kyle Fuller bit. And that's the thing. He's an aggressive corner. If he sees something and trusts it and just all the game film and preparation, he will jump and try to make that play. Calvin Ridley is on a he's on a he's on something else right now. He's uh, doing a very good job for the Atlanta Falcons team and seeing him have five receptions for 110 yards that were mostly big plays from him, it was because of this tendency or this I guess this want from Kyle Fuller to make a big play for the defense, but it kind of bit him at times. So, look, towards the end of the game, it kind of evened out. You didn't hear much of Ridley, not too much in the second, as much in the first half as he did in the second half. So, able to rebound from that. But you just got to be aware of who you're going to take these risks, these calculator risks from uh, Kyle Fuller. But, yeah, right, really, he got him a couple times. And he was letting the defense know. You see him talking a little bit. And I like that from wide receivers. But overall, I think. I don't know if they didn't play to my expectations. We had such high hopes, and they were playing really, really well, but it, he is a tough receiver to play, and he was really the only receiver they had to play, and he got the better of, I would say, Kyle Fuller in this game, but it happens. Their corners are going to get beat, but overall, I think a solid day. They can play better, though. And I know that very first play, uh, that big one, was like Fuller handing it off to Eddie Jackson, so I don't know if that was like a miscommunication where the handoff didn't happen soon enough if he was even supposed to hand it off or if it was Eddie Jackson just a little bit slow to react and kind of get over uh, to the sideline uh, for that play. Uh, For Fuller himself, I do recall a couple of plays against a run that I thought he looked pretty good. And Nick, he actually had a blitz uh, coming into the backfield in this game, and I can't remember. I could probably count one hand uh, every time that I remember Kyle Fuller coming in off of a cornerback blitz, and right now I I just got the one uh, that I can remember, which (laughs) is today. Uh, So that was a different wrinkle. Uh, I know they didn't have anyone lined up wide on his side so maybe that's just kind of the call if there's no one there go on in Um, but outside of that one thing I want to talk about this defense in terms of like a macro level because we've been looking at all these players specifically but just proud of the way that they responded after Mitch's interception Uh, you know the interception came right after they started half right the third quarter and they allowed a seven play 75 yard touchdown drive the Bears defense did and right afterwards comes Mitch's interception so they could have easily allowed the Falcons to score another touchdown there, easily. Uh, instead, they ended up uh, four plays, uh, which is the field goal. They got one yard, and they had to settle for that field goal. 
Uh, afterward, there were five other drives that were either five plays or less. Uh, five plays, 40 yards, punt. Three plays for only five yards, quick three and out. That got followed up by the Bears' uh, first touchdown here of the second half. Another quick three and out, Bears score again. Another three and out, the Bears score again. And then they get the interception to Sean Gibson did. So right after Mitchell's interception, they kind of turned things on. Did you see or is there anything that you noticed that was like just like the difference of like that defense that we saw down the stretch opposed to the defense that we saw in the first half and heck even early in the third quarter? Yeah, I think what I I think I mentioned this earlier, but like that pass rush I thought was a little bit more consistent. And you know what? Hey, we got to give Atlanta credit for just being such a pass happy team and just putting themselves I think in not the I guess favorable situations and with that pass rush starting to come come alive a little bit, like I mentioned Roy Robertson Harris, that was more so in the second half. Akeem Hicks was having a pretty good game overall and we know Mack and Quinn are going to collapse the pocket a little bit. I think that's what really helped the Bears, and it just happened that Atlanta, like they thought their best route was to pass on this Bears defense, and that just didn't help. It also helped that you tweeted it, Will, you know, these drop passes on third down. Roquan Smith was beating coverage, and the running back Hill dropped a pass and would have gone for a first down. I forgot exactly where that happened, but that was huge for the Bears defense too. But it seemed like later in the game, the pass rush was affecting Matt Ryan. He had to get the ball out quickly, or he was getting smacked and just getting hit by this Bears pass rush. So that, I think, was a big factor. But like I said, credit Atlanta for being the Falcons and just being a team that loves to blow leads and pass. Like, when it got to the point where it, it, it was the second to last drive and they're open up wanting to pass the football and it's incomplete, stops the clock incomplete again past mm-hmm. the stops the clock it's like yes this is happening you are a i love you right now atlanta for doing this and putting the bears in a situation where they want to be in having quinn and mac just rush the quarterback so there's a lot of things that play into it but i think those are some of the bigger ones that factor into why the bears look in the fourth quarter gave up zero points the bears scored 20 and that helped them win this football game but that pass rush and this atlanta being atlanta yeah their last two drives um uh... That ended in the punt. So while the Bears were making their comeback, uh, they ran it on first down once out of those two, uh, which was Todd Gurley for one yard. And then you're right, uh, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, stopping the clock, gave the Bears back the ball with like uh, five minutes left in the fourth. Bears take a minute. Allen Robinson gets his touchdown. Bears defense comes back out there. Atlanta's like, you know what? They just scored a touchdown, but let's go ahead uh, and just try throwing it incomplete throw it again incomplete so no clocks running at all penalty uh that false start third and 15 they have to pass it doesn't work cool incomplete again so yeah you're right they kind of when you look at it that way they didn't do themselves any favors they didn't even attempt to really run that clock down they could have just ran it three times and take off a, at least a minute and a half um instead of having drives that last like 22 seconds and a, maybe a max at a minute so they kind of helped the Bears out a little bit by getting so predictable in the past. So that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Will, I just want to read this stat real quick. This is from ESPN Stats and Info, and it says the Chicago Bears are the first team in NFL history to win two games in a single season where they were trailing by at least 16 points entering the fourth quarter. They've done it twice in their first three games, week one, obviously versus the Lions, and now versus 
the Falcons. Like, it's been a roller coaster <laughs> wow. and crazy ride. And they're the first team to ever do that in history. And we're only three weeks into 2020. What a year. <laughs> right. I was going to say, like, hey, they have uh... – what that would be uh 13 other opportunities minimum uh, to do it some more so they can just keep adding on to this record and be a uh, a team that's always finding a way to come back in the fourth quarter they don't care about the first three uh, as long as they can find a way to come back in the fourth but that's actually incredible uh, to be the only team to do it twice in a season and we've played three games like wow <laughs> yeah it's it's uh yeah this is what this bear season is going to be just at the end of the game and seeing what can what's the result going to be this time and yeah it's been like that for two out of three weeks now jeez all right let's move into the actually did you have anything else on defense or did you want to move into the fourth you know what like i said when it counted the most the bears defense showed up but man this this defense overall needs to play a lot better for to meet my expectations and i think even the group's expectation i wonder what chuck pagano's gonna say after this game like we saw what he said after week one against Detroit wasn't happy at all but you know the defense or the Bears won the game week two they play a little bit better I wonder what he's going to say after this one he could look to look at itself in the mirror for the reason why but I wonder what this defense overall what their takeaway after this game it's like I said a mixed bag we talked about it but it's going to be I'm interested to see listening to the press conferences this week what the defense has to say about their performance against the Falcons yeah, that's the good stuff there, Nick. Let's go ahead and move on to the fourth quarter of the show, and we'll begin like we usually do with a quick hit on special teams. Uh, looking at the Bears' third phase, it didn't look like they were playing really up to snuff uh, either. Uh, I know Patterson had a pretty decent return, that one that went for like 40 yards. Uh, other than that, you know, Santos missing that field goal. I don't know, Nick. I, I just, I'm ready for Eddie Pinero. I don't, again, who knows if that's going to be much better, but... Uh, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at. How about you? Yeah, I think it's time for Eddie Pinheiro to reclaim his job. It's just, what, if he missed his last field goal attempt, Cairo Santos against the Giants, a 50-yarder, then today's missed field goal. So, yeah, it's time to see what Eddie Pinheiro can do if healthy. Then also there were two penalties on the punt team, whether it was a false start. I think there may have two been false both starts. false starts. Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, so – Bears special teams, right? Hashtag Bears special teams. So the Bears were trying to lose this game with the drop passes, the penalties, bad quarterback play initially, you know, defense giving up a big play within the first two plays of the game that they step on the field, everything they did. And then even special teams were like, hey, we'll add one more to it with our, you know, false starts. So, yeah, there was a, again, it was nice seeing Cordell Patterson, you know, take a, a run back for uh, a good amount of yards and what did that happen right before they showed the graphic of like gail sayers yes. like him and patterson of course it does which was really cool to see um but yeah again we had both both sides of uh the the special teams play there good and bad and you just want to see it be more again like i've been saying for the first three weeks more consistent right that's I, maybe that'll be my catchphrase like um, you know, Brandon has with, with the trenches. But, yeah, just more consistency from the special teams. Yeah, uh, from this whole team, I think we can use <laughs> yeah. consistency is what we're still looking for. But, again, Nick, I know after three weeks, everyone's looking for that consistency. Uh, but moving on to the next one, it's time to call an audible. You know, after watching this game in full, uh, Nick, is there anything that you wish that happened differently? Anything that you wish we could change? I think the big one's Tariq Cohen. I mean, you can't take that and 100% say, you know, I wish he wasn't even out there for that punt because he would have been. Um, but at the end of the day, I just wish that that play went differently one way, you know, one way or the other, just get me a different end result than what we saw. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, you know, anytime you can avoid an injury and just not have the circumstances played how they did would would be very beneficial for the Bears and obviously Tree Cohen's health. You know, I could look to either touchdown that that should have been a touchdown for Anthony Miller or Allen Robinson going the way of those two guys. Um, that obviously changed the game a little bit, and it just look Nick Foles' first drive ends in a touchdown instead of an interception to. Uh, Allen Robinson in the back right corner of the end zone or Anthony Miller is able to actually capitalize on a great route that he ran but couldn't corral the ball effectively so maybe those two plays would also be good ones um what if I wonder you know change the look now we're playing devil's advocate here like change the interception of Mitch Trubisky is he still in the game like but I think if I had to call an audible the two should have been touchdowns to the wide receivers would be a good one for me. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh, maybe the that bad, bad, bad penalty call on the Bears' forced fumble earlier in this game uh, would have helped the Bears not lose so much momentum so soon. Nick, if Mitchell didn't throw that interception and he stays in this game, we could be talking about a 2-1 and one Chicago Bears team. Like That was probably just bad enough uh, to make Matt Nagy pull that trigger. And it would be interesting to see what would have happened without but i'm happy uh you know what i'm happy for it because we found a way to win uh due to the quarterback change providing some of that spark and uh, some just better play overall and i think that's a great segue for uh the finale of the show here which is going to be who's the mvb and i have a hard time going anywhere other than number nine yeah i mean look finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Obviously, Nick Foles and what he was able to do in relief you know, like he's done all throughout his NFL career is why the Bears are 3-0, an undefeated football team through three weeks of this 2020 NFL season. But to, again, play devil's advocate, like Akeem Hicks had a hell of a game. I know. And it's not because of him that the Bears won. It was definitely why they were making this comeback. But I want to give Akeem Hicks a recognition because he's fought so hard to get to this point and be this dominant, dominant force. But... Let's be honest. Nick Foles is the MVP because of what he was able to do in crunch time in that fourth quarter. Put up 20 points for the Bears, 30 to 26. He's the MVP of this game, but I had to give some love to Akeem Hicks. I mean, the Bears got 30 points uh, total, 20 of which came in the fourth quarter. Nick Foles led three scoring drives. Three of them were passing touchdowns. Like I said at the very top of the show, and everyone listening knows, he should have had two more touchdowns on top of it. So Nick Foles leading what should have been five scoring drives in the second half, coming in cold, providing that team a spark, and it seemed like they were just a little bit more confident once he stepped into that huddle. It's hard to give it to anyone else. And you know, not to say that, uh, like you said, Hicks is very deserving in his own right, um, but for Nick Foles to come in, and change the whole perspective of this game, the whole dynamic of how things kind of ended up, uh, to step in like he did, to step up like he did, I'm going to give it to Nick Foles. Uh, it's just, to me, it's uh, it's an easy decision here. Probably the easiest decision I made all day. 
Yeah, it's a very deserving one, and we'll see how we can build off this game. Having, presumably, he's going to be the starter. I think everyone assumes that going into week four now, but what can Nick Foles do in a complete game? And we saw how many touchdown drives he should have had. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I want to see what Nick Foles can do against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and hey, Jimmy Graham had two touchdowns, one with each quarterback today. That's true. Yeah, so uh, Jimmy Graham, he's getting into the end zone more time. I wonder, do you remember how many touchdowns you had him getting this season? I, I don't know if like that was a bold prediction for you, but I know he was a guy that you thought very highly of, but he's he's on his way. Let's just say it. Three touchdowns already through three games, so he's doing a pretty damn good job of that. I think my real prediction was like 9 to 10. My bold prediction was like 11, which I think is a career high for him if he gets at 11, but he's definitely on pace to do it. He sure is. He's looking good in that that red zone area where the Bears struggled with last season. Yep, and that's why they brought him in, and that's what we were talking about uh, earlier this offseason as well, and as we got closer to the year, that he can be that red zone threat, and we needed it. And it came in, like you said, that one back shoulder throw into the end zone. It's really hard to guard that one uh, to Jimmy Graham, and you need to have a few of those plays that are almost impossible to stop. And he he provides one, so that's great as well. But Nick... Uh, as we wrap it up, let's go ahead and jump into our two-minute warning. This is where we wrap up our thoughts on this game and kind of put them in a season-long perspective. And by golly, do we have an interesting game at that to, to kind of analyze? We did that, and now it's time to summarize and move forward. Yeah, and well, like uh, honestly, with this team being three and zero, it's such a like I'm still excited about this Bears win. I'm not going to lie. Seeing them come back, make the complete comeback, and win this game is great. But there's a lot of holes on this Bears team, not just defensively, but you know, offensively, you, you want to see things just play. Again, receivers actually complete catches. Uh, some of the decisions Nick Foles was making early on, there should have been, could have easily been two interceptions for him. So you want to see that cleaned up. And the offensive line took a step back. That needs to get better moving forward. And defensively, we talked about it. We are concerned about this Bears rushing defense what are they going to do to compensate for eddie goldman not being here and to get somebody in there that can play reliable defense for the bears for for the bears right now so that needs to be addressed let's see if eddie pinero comes back so there's a lot all three phases can be improved and they need to but the bears are still three and oh these are bad teams they're playing it's going to get a lot tougher we highlighted this many many times before but I'm glad they're 3-0. I'm glad we're talking about a post-game victory. And to start off, I don't remember the last Bears team that started off 3-0. 2013 team. Okay, I don't want to remember that then because that was we all know why. Yep. But they're 3-0. There's still a lot of things that need to be addressed. And we'll see how many holes that just having a new quarterback at under under center can almost overshadow because a lot of, a lot of teams have a lot of holes. But if you have a good quarterback – I would say a competent quarterback, maybe you can get away with having some of those issues. So 3-0 football team, be excited about it. Just know that there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. I'll leave it at that, Will, and hand it over to you. Sure. So for my two-minute warning here, as the Bears are 3-0, again, hey, 3-0, and I'll take it. I don't care who you face. I don't care if you win by one point each week and you only lead for one second. A 3-0 football team, something to be proud of. Uh, the resiliency that this Bears team is showing uh, is something else that I would definitely hang my hat on. Now, the inconsistency is going to grind my gears as I'm thinking about this game tonight as we kind of move into the week four preparations. And uh, we need to keep looking at ways for that to be improved and hammered out and kind of just shored up a little bit. But 
coming into the week, you know, everyone said, hey, don't sleep on the Falcons. They lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Seahawks. Well, now you can add the Bears to that list, too. Another close game. Um, but look how much points the Falcons scored in every other game, right? They scored uh, almost 40 points uh, in each of their other two contests. The Bears held them to only 26. And I know they didn't have Julio Jones. Uh, he was someone that was dampered, though, last week as well with that hamstring injury. So just maybe a little tap, uh, you know, tip of the cap to this Bears defense because this was a very potent offense uh, that they were going up against. And to when it really mattered most, when they needed to put drives together, they ensured that the Falcons could not do that. They really, you know, stuck to their guns there. And uh, that's something, too, that I would say as a Chicago Bears fan uh, will make me sleep a little bit better uh, tonight uh, entering into my, well, our first, our third, sorry, uh, victory Monday so far here of the season. Uh, looking at the Chicago Bears offense, it'll be really interesting to see how it all kind of shakes out this week. Uh, they're not committing uh, to Nick as the starter, which, again, don't expect Matt Nagy, just knowing the type of guy he is, to make a commitment right here on the spot. He's going to have an internal discussion first, and then you'll go ahead and move that out a little bit more publicly. But it doesn't make any sense to go back to Mitch Trubisky now. But uh, with Nick Foles stepping in, let's see if he can, like I said earlier in the show, provide that spark next week and if it can be something that could be sustained, this extra confidence in this offense uh, with the quarterback that I think perhaps opens up the playbook a little bit, a quarterback that should help his receivers uh, with some more accurate passing uh, and just everything that I think we kind of know Nick Foles brings uh, to the table. But Nick, you hit it. Consistency. You said that last week. I think you said that after the very first week as well. So we're about a month into this thing and we're still looking for a complete game from the Chicago Bears football team. And that's okay, because if this is the Bears not living up to their potential and they still found a way to come away with three wins with still kind of figuring out who they are, still not getting the most out of this team, that's exciting. I think that's something that would get me a little bit more hopeful for the season because I know we have the potential. We see it in spurts on offense. There's still a lot of points that should have been put up on the board here. The Bears should have had minimum two more touchdowns and a field goal, so that would have been, what, 17 points? That would have been a 47-point output from this Bears offense today that were pretty much taken off of the board. So, again, there's a lot here that we can be frustrated about. There's a lot here that we can be you know, grinding our teeth, mashing on it. But really, we're 3-0. and We beat three teams. We have the Colts next week. Uh, looking here at the final score, well, not their final score, they're playing right now. They're up 17-7 to against the Jets here in the third quarter. We'll see how that kind of shakes out. But, Nick, I think I'm ending this show proud of this team for fighting, never giving up. And, again, sure, we want to see a complete game, um, but for another fourth quarter comeback, hey, first team to do it, down 16 points in the fourth quarter, to do it twice in a season, that shows they have resiliency, they have the desire to win, and they do not give up no matter how bleak the odds may look. And those are very, uh, you can't coach that. That's something that's instilled in the culture of this team. And I think that's going to make them uh, potentially a dangerous team down the road. If they can just find a way to shore up some of these issues and just play up to their potential a little bit more consistently, which would be the word we can end it off with. Any final thoughts here, Nick, before we kind of sign off? No, uh, like I said, I mean, you wrapped it up perfectly well, and it's going to be interesting how this team look they're they're obviously three and oh they're a good mm, i don't want to go there yet good football team it's like you said we want to see more consistency but let's see coming off a win you can it's easier to correct some of those mistakes coming off a win than it is a loss and we'll see how they adjust to that and you know address them accordingly heading into or 
for for Indianapolis in week four. You know what? Good football teams win close games. Good football teams come back in the fourth quarter. The Bears are doing those things. Now, again, everything else is going to piss us off, and that's okay because we can want more (laughs) out of them. But I would call them a good football team because they know how to win. They don't obviously here the 2020 Bears football team. They know how to win, even if it means they have to change a quarterback in the third quarter. They they're finding ways to win uh, each week's a little bit differently. But the end result, uh, no matter if it's the Lions, the Giants, and now the Falcons is the same. Uh, and so to me, uh, again, tomorrow's Victory Mondays. I'm in a good mood. Nick, you should be in one, too. I want to thank everyone who listened here live on the postgame show. Lots of viewers here expected that after such a crazy game, which every Bears game's a crazy game. So thank you so much. A huge thank you to everyone, too, who's listening to this podcast all around the globe. If you haven't yet, please help us out by subscribing uh, to our YouTube channel. That way you get notifications each and every time that we go live throughout the season. And if you're one of our podcast listeners, help us further by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Every review we get helps us reach more Chicago Bears fans just like you. And Nick, honestly, you know, this episode, I forgot to mention on top of the show, this episode 490. Nine. So starting our next episode, which is our 500th episode, it's like starting a new chapter. And what a crazy way to end the 400s of our podcast, you know? It seems fitting, Will. It's just a crazy win. And, yeah, let's see what's what's next for the Bears. And hopefully it only improves from here on out. It could hopefully only get better. It could get worse, but it could hopefully it gets better. <laughs> uh, we have to make sure we're weighing both sides of the equation here. But, again, Bears fans, across the entire world thank you so much for listening to our show thank you for checking out this post game show again next episode will be episode number 500 i'm excited to share that milestone with each and every one of you again the chicago bears find a way to win yet again by the final score of 30 to 26 and they move to 3-0 here in 2020 we'll be back here soon to meet the indianapolis colts but until next time enjoy your victory monday and of course Bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.